Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What would you do with an extra $500 a month? I can think of about a hundred ways that I would actually use that cash. And I have to tell you a little story. I was full on Facebook stalking with my fellow personal finance friend and host of the Money Nerds podcast, Whitney Hansen, when she talked about something called furniture flipping and my eyes and ears just lit up. For example, she bought an end table for 10 bucks and sold it for $80. So, okay, (laughs) we have to know more. I can't wait to introduce you to Whitney Hansen in this fun episode to talk all about furniture flipping and extra cash you can add to your budget. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Gain, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I've read off the statistics to you many, many times, but let's just go through it again. 
60% of Americans have less than $1,000 saved for emergencies. And I would imagine that right now that number is probably even higher. It is, this is probably an understatement, but it is downright stressful. And I have been there a couple of times in my life where I just did not have extra cash. And I would have done almost anything (laughs) to get a little extra cash. And that is why I love Whitney so much. She is all about the side hustles. And in this episode, she's sharing everything we need to know about furniture flipping and where her passion for financial literacy comes from, why your relationship with money actually does matter, and why she thinks an extra $500 in your pocket would be so freaking powerful. Whitney, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. You are certainly one of my very favorite people. So thank you so much for being here. I am so honored. Thank you so much. And I've already loved our conversations that we had on the Money Nerds as well. So I know this is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it's always great uh, to talk with other podcasters <laughs> and, for to, sure. and to be on other shows. I think it's great for for you as the podcaster to like be in a position where you're the one being interviewed for a change. Yeah. And and vice versa. So and and your podcast, Money Nerds. I must congratulate you. You just hit a million downloads, which is so amazing. Thank you so much. It's one of those things where I mean, you know this too. Your podcast is always kicking butt. But when you hit these milestones, it it's just so cool to see. Yeah, it is. Did you do anything fun to celebrate? I mean, I know we're in a weird time, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually. I think I had chips and salsa, and that was my celebration. Hey. That that is a worthy celebration in my book. But I mean, really, I think I think why those milestones are so monumental is just the determination that it takes to just stick with something. And whether that's a blog or a podcast, or you're creating a course or whatever it may be, I mean, you really have to believe in in what you're doing and believe that you're helping people to to stick with it day after day or episode after episode. Oh, it's so true. I always tell people too, the starting piece is the fun part. It's the consistency that most people falter on. So yeah, you're spot on. Consistency is key with everything, life, business, personal finances, literally every area. Do you do you have any like favorite episodes, like must listen to episodes that we can tease? You know what? One of my favorite episodes that I've recorded was a series on goal setting. And I try to repurpose this every year just to teach people about a different way of of setting goals. But it's a four-part series. And I would say that's probably my favorite so far. Mm, I love it. Yeah. It's funny. Anytime I talked about goals, people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. goals, 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 goals. And yet it's the one powerful piece, particularly when it comes to money, that I think we uh, just try to brush aside, but is really powerful because in my opinion, it's it's these like daily steps that you're taking in your money and they don't have to be big things, but they they do propel you forward. They really do. I think that's one of the the parts that I see too that people overlook is they think because they have a system put into place for their finances, they're automating their savings and investing. They've got, you know, their retirement set up. Like we're we're good there. But if you don't have that clear, very clear vision, it's really hard to go in a direction that you're happy with with your life. And that's what I found in my own life too, is I needed that very clear direction. 
Mm, yeah, I love that. And one of the reasons I am such a big fan of yours, you're really, a, a, in my opinion, a queen of, of teaching people how to cleverly save, make money with side hustles. And you have a lot of really interesting money gems that I don't see other people talking about. But I'm curious before we dive into some of those, like what makes you so passionate about a career in personal finance and helping people with their goals? You know, there's a lot of things that really light me up about personal finance. And I think it all comes down to the empowerment piece and specifically women empowerment. What really got me started into personal finance, um, maybe a little too personal, but I'll go there, is I watched my mom stay in an abusive relationship mm. for 20 some years. Wow. And there's six kids in my family. So there's a lot of us. And one of the things that I saw was this relationship kept getting worse and worse over the years and progressively more abusive. And it finally got to the point where my mom left this situation for her life, truly for her life. And I remember thinking, like, why would somebody stay in a relationship and have so many kids <laughs> if it's that terrible? Like, mm. I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And now as an adult, I've had lots of conversations with her. And one of the things that she said why she was felt trapped in the relationship was, yes, love. There was a lot of emotional feelings there, but a big part of it was money. She didn't have the funds to leave. And that mm. was so eye-opening that it made me never want to be stuck in a situation that I couldn't leave, especially a dangerous one, because of money, something that I have control over. And so that's really what got me started into personal finance and being so passionate was I, I didn't want to see people struggle because of this. And yeah, that's really where it came from. I think those stories are really powerful, though, because because money is this taboo subject, and we don't talk about it a lot, you know, hearing these stories, maybe you can see yourself or a family member or something in there, but know that you can, you can change your situation, like you don't have to be you didn't have to be like your your mom, you could you could see that and you can make a change in your own life. And I think that's so powerful to share that you had that awareness about money in particular. Thank you. I think we all have those stories and maybe it's not to that level, but there's always a moment in our lives that we see that money touches more than just our financial life. It's making personal decisions for us. It's maybe which jobs we take. It's what jobs we walk away from. It's a lot. And I think that when you understand that money, it's not just about the numbers, man, it really does transform your life. Yeah. And this may seem like a really obvious question, but but I love to ask it uh, for a lot from a lot of guests. Why do you think relationship, our relationship with money matters? Like, why does it matter how I feel about money uh, in my own life? Ooh, I love this question. I've never had anybody <laughs> ask me this before. I think if if I had to put it to words why I believe our relationship with money matters is because that self-talk that we have, it really extends to how we feel about ourselves as a whole. But more importantly, I think if you have a good relationship with money, if you feel abundant, if you feel in control, you feel like money isn't always a struggle. I think that attitude carries over to a lot of different areas, even the way we view people that struggle. So I noticed mm, when, yeah. when I wasn't a victim of my finances, when I started to take control over that, instead of diminishing other people that maybe didn't have as much money or were making terrible financial decisions, I started to realize that my relationship with money was really contingent to a little bit on how I was treating other people and how I was viewing other people's situations. 
And so I think that that healthy relationship with money with ourselves, it just helps everybody else too. It gives us a lot more empathy. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest factor is it allows you to help other people and not diminish what other people's financial situations are. And how can you proactively work to change your relationship with money? If, if someone's in some place where they just, they hate the idea of money, they don't hate money, but they hate mm-hmm. maybe what it's done in their life or in their relationship or with their family. Are there any practical tips of how you could even start to go about changing that relationship? I think a lot of it comes down to awareness of what are you telling yourself day in and day out. If you get a bill in the mail, are you immediately stressed out? Do you dread opening that? When you look at your bank account, do you feel an overwhelming amount of anxiety? I think it's a lot of those little daily things. So first get awareness of it. And a lot of people are like, great, but how do I even get awareness of that? I think that's where journaling comes in. And that's why I was so excited to see that you launched the journal about mindset, because I think that's where it starts. I really do. And so it's journaling every single day to just get better understanding of what are you telling yourself day in and day out. One very, very practical tip that I personally use, actually, I'll tell you two that help me. The first one is being aware of my self-talk in general. Mm, So I will, I will legitimately for a while I had to do this because I didn't, I didn't understand how cruel I was being to myself. And so I had a little notebook and every time I said some crappy thought to myself, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. Who am I to do this? I would make just a little tick mark. That's all I would do. No judgment, just tick. And oh my God, it broke my heart when I saw how terrible I was to myself. That was super eye-opening. Wow. I'm going to have to do that because I would imagine that (laughs) I probably do that to myself a lot. Probably almost all of us do, but you're so right. Like when you can visually see it, it's it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. I got to find another way. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where when you start to become aware, you allow yourself to change. I view it very similar to I used to compete in like bodybuilding competitions. So I would do I know that's so impressive. So yeah, it was fun. It really was. But one of the things I learned is that sometimes it's just tracking, just monitoring, not you know, going and setting up this new plan for your new diet and what it's gonna be, but just simply writing down the things that are going on in your life and what are you eating today? What, what, how often are you eating? Mm. All of that stuff was just jot it down and just pay attention to that. And I think sometimes just the act of tracking really does make us pay attention to what's going on. Wow. Yeah, that's so powerful. I really wish that, um, I hope everyone who's listening like understands how powerful that is, that sometimes it, it is just about tracking, particularly when it comes to your money. And it's not necessarily about making these big sweeping changes. It's just about visually being aware of what's going on. And from that point, then you can have some decisions to make. Yeah, I think you're spot on. For you, what was? how did you start to shift your money mindset? You know, I had to do a lot of work because um, – my family is amazing and so supportive, but I I grew up in a family where my father was in the financial industry, so there was always talk about money, but I the the verbiage that I heard was more of a competitive language and more of mm-hmm. a you have to finish first, you have to be the best, you have to have the most. And so it created in me this bad competition with other people that it took me a long time to realize how negative and destructive it was, not only to other people, but but to myself. 
And so I had to just do a lot of really figuring out who I was and what I thought and what I wanted in life. And that it was okay that the version of life that I wanted to live didn't look like my parents or my brothers, that I could have my own narrative and story, and that that was perfectly acceptable. So it took me a, took me a long time to think like, oh, I don't have to drive this car or live in this place or buy this thing. Like I am perfectly acceptable whole person without that in my life. And um, I think for all of us, there's like this, if you can like take yourself down to the studs <laughs> yep, <laughs> and then rebuild back up and say, okay, who am I? Like, that's a really powerful experience. Oh, it really is. That's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. It's, I think for all of us, it's not easy. These things that we go through. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to witness what your mom went through and probably all of your. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times. But your mind is on the future, too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Siblings have a different reaction to it, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think then when you can turn that around, obviously, like you have and and change your life, but then go out and change other people's lives, that is, that's where I think it becomes really trans transformational and powerful, at least, at least that's my belief. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think we're on the same mission there. That's for sure. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M.
Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. 
They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. It's Tuesday, and that means we have an Ask Shauna. This one comes from Lynn, and it's a long one, but I think a really good one. Lynn says, I've listened to the pod for a couple of years, but I never imagined a situation in which I would be writing into you. I accepted a new job at the very end of April after several months of looking to transition out of a infamously fun but low-paying industry in which I've spent my whole career. The new job is in a more lucrative industry in a city with a much higher cost of living. I had it written into my offer letter, though, that I would be remote until it's safe to move across country. It looks like that will be about August at the earliest, so I'm paying over $1,000 less in rent than I would have been if I moved right away. I feel guilty about being one of the few people in the world who is better off financially than I was three months ago, but I was wondering if you could weigh in on how those extremely lucky of us who haven't experienced hardship should handle this time. I'll be making about $2,000 more a month than I was, but I have around $19,000 of student loans, $2,400 in credit card debt, and I realize now is probably a good time to actually do some real investing. My student loans are in forbearance, but I've been paying them anyway, and my credit card debt is 0% APR until the end of December. The finite nature of these percentages, coupled with the hope of investing before the market swings back up, has me trying to figure out what I should prioritize putting this extra money towards. I was already working on my emergency slash cushion if I hit my breaking point and want to quit fund. I love that. But I'm about to transfer over to my existing high-yield regular shares account at my credit union. It's enough for maybe three months of expenses in the new city, and I should be able to max out my credit union IRA with money from a freelance project. But I'm waiting until the world is a little bit more financially stable before doing that, just in case. I apologize for the hyper-specific question, but my head is spinning trying to figure this all out after years of barely making ends meet. Hopefully there are other few fortunate listeners who have a similar question about credit cards, student loans, investing, etc. during this super weird time. Lynn, I love this question. Thank you so much for putting so much detail in here. And um, you're right, you are definitely in the group of people who are better off. And I know it may seem hard to believe, but I have heard from so many of my friends who are actually in that same situation and feel really bad for making more money now than they did pre-pandemic. But I'm just going to give you an over-the-airwaves high five (laughs) for anybody who's listening who's not in that situation because that gives us all hope that, um, that things could turn around for any of us. But I think that's just part of life, right? It's always in flux. So if you're feeling a bit envious about Lynn's situation, just know that your time is coming due, right? Hang in there because you just never know what is going to happen, good or not good. I think, again, that's the beauty of life. But Lynn, wow, there's so many different things to think about. I mean, 
One thing that I always suggest doing, particularly when you're in this situation where you've got a lot of options and you're really trying to figure out what is number one priority, number two priority, number three, so on and so forth, is I always get out just a piece of paper and a pen. I go right back to basics and I write down all of my options. I write down my debts and I include any information like interest rates, minimum payments, all that good stuff. And then I write down details about the things that I want to do, maybe investing or real estate or whatever those might be. And I really look at the list because when I have the information in front of me written down, the plan starts to come to you in a way that it might not when it's all a mush in your head, right? Because there's so many options and I'm going to tell you, I am so guilty of this. My head can get spinning in so many different directions that if I don't literally get things out on paper, I cannot weed my way through the options. So write them out, look at them on paper and see what makes sense. I love that your credit cards are in 0% interest until December, but I would make that almost my first priority just to get those paid off so that you don't have to worry about those come December. You don't have to worry about uh, that interest rate impacting you. If you're feeling like maybe you want to not pay them off all at once, what you could do is just stretch out that $2,400 by however many months are left on the 0% and just devote auto pay that amount on that credit card debt just to get that wiped out and you know that's going to be gone. Uh, the other thing I would start looking at is um, your emergency fund. You say that you have about three months, which is great. That's amazing. That's super healthy. But I'm going to be a real pessimist during this time. And I'm just going to tell you like friend to friend, I don't think anyone's job is safe right now. I have had people in my life who I thought their job was so secure, so locked up, and they're without a job. And other people, vice versa, where um, they actually are getting promoted during this time. So I just, I feel like it is a complete jump ball at the moment. So I would suggest try to inch that three months up, maybe four, five, even six months. I know you're not going to do that overnight, but um I would hedge my bet and I would get as close to six months as, as possible just because we're in such a shaky job market and I really feel like there's going to be a, another SHIT storm <laughs> coming. Uh, if you've looked at the stock market in the last couple of weeks, it tanked, it went up, it's all over the place. And I think we're going to continue seeing that because... There is so much that we don't know. We don't know how long this virus is going to last before there's maybe a vaccine or before we we figure out a way to keep people safe. And so that's going to mean that business changes. That's going to mean that everything in our life is different, even if now you live someplace where you can go back to your quote unquote normal life. It's still different because it's still really impacted businesses all around the world. And we're such a global society now that if I live in the United States and something is impacted overseas, it still could influence what's going on here. You know, you probably seeing grocery prices are higher for a lot of different, particularly meat, but vegetables, lots of things. So my point is that we're going to be feeling this impact. And we don't know how long and we don't know quite to what depth, right? We're already hitting 
depression level unemployment numbers. And so I just think the more you can save, the better. But past that, I would say I normally suggest like a balanced approach, like figure out a sweet spot that you're comfortable with, with both paying off some of your student loans, but maybe balancing that with investing too. Now, of course, investing again, I'm going to give you that asterisk mark that this is a really like uncertain time. And while you could catch a wave of some gain, I pretty much could guarantee you're also going to catch a wave of some downside. So I think it's okay if you say, you know what, with investing, I'm going to hit a little bit of a pause button, maybe for a couple of months, maybe until we get through the summer, like August, September, and we kind of have a better clue of what's going on. And maybe you drive a little bit more money into your student loan debt, knowing that you want to come back and kind of equal out that balance of investing. So I think that's awesome that you can fully fund your IRA with your freelance money. That is brilliant. I think that's like such a great plan of attack for anybody who also has a freelance job. Like use that money to either pay off your debt, put it in investing, put it in real estate, put it in something that is pushing you forward. Because I like that dual action. I like putting money in something that is is earning interest potentially, hopefully, <laughs> that's growing in the positive direction. And then I also like balancing that debt payoff with we're getting rid of it, right? So we're, we're kind of using those two polar opposites to both grow us and also get that debt paid off. So that's just my two cents. Uh, there's really no perfect option here. Just sit down, write it all out, look at it. And no matter what you choose, it's going to be the right choice for you. I think that's really important, Lynn. No matter what option you choose, whether it's to pay off debt or it's to save more money, they're all solid options, right? Just pick one, start in that direction. And I am so elated to hear stories like this of people that are still growing and thriving during this time. And one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about that I've been dying to, I've been Facebook stalking you for a while, but in a good, <laughs> in a good way, a very good way. <laughs> and I reached out to you because I love all your posts you do on something called furniture flipping, which just is sort of blowing my mind. And I think a lot of us have heard, obviously, about real estate flipping. If you just turn on HGTV, you probably can watch an episode yeah, about that. But I want to know about furniture flipping because... You say, you know, we could bring in like an extra $500 a month, more, and I just would have never thought about this. So tell me a little bit, like, how did you even stumble upon the idea of furniture flipping? Oh, I love it. I love furniture flipping so much because I think it's the truest form of entrepreneurship. You buy something, you sell something for more. That's pretty much all there is to it. And I love that's always resonated with me. But what really got me started into side hustling and specifically furniture flipping was I was listening to my podcast listeners and my audience. And a lot of the stuff they were saying was, I I don't make enough money to pay off my debt. I don't have enough money to sometimes even cover groceries. And it's all of this stuff where it really made me pause and say, hey, maybe you're right. Like I'm, I'm sitting here on my high horse thinking, you know, I'm going to talk to people about investing when there's a lot of people that are, you know, $500 a month is game changing. And so it started to really 
stem from this whole concept of job shame. I saw people posting about, I would love to do Uber Eats. I would love to do Lyft. But what if I picked up somebody or I delivered food to somebody that I know? What would they think? Wow. Yeah. And that didn't even click for me. When I heard that, I was like, holy crap, this is terrible. And so I started side hustling to show people that you can be very financially successful and still go out there and do careers and do side hustles that bring in a little extra cash to help you hit your goals. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. You're never better than making money. And so that was something that I started to do. And through this experiment of side hustling, I would, you know, do Uber Eats and I'd show people this is how much money you can make. I would start to flip furniture because I st- I saw some people posting about that and I thought it was interesting. And so it really came from my my audience of people saying, I don't make enough money. I That's don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, it was weird. That is amazing. Like what a powerful way to, to, to lead everybody. I love that. Like, okay, so tell me like, I, I want to know, I have so many questions, but tell me, how do you figure out what pieces of furniture you're going to buy? Like, how do you figure out which ones that you think you'll be able to to profit from? Oh, okay. So it depends on the market that you live in. So definitely go on to Facebook Marketplace and just do a quick scroll to see what types of furniture is being sold in your area. So I know in California, very mid-century modern, that's kind of the case for Idaho too. It's a little more farmhousey here, which breaks my heart <laughs> that's not my style, but look and see what's trendy for your area. And then you can start to understand what is actually selling and what people are interested in. So once you have an idea of what furniture is stylish in your your area, then you can start to shop around. So when you're looking for furniture, the important piece to remind yourself is this is not a piece that you personally would buy. I sell furniture that I would literally never keep in my house, not my style whatsoever, but people are interested in it. So I personally am not like a vintage furniture person. That's not really my thing. Some of the mid-century I can get behind, but I don't like some of that vintage stuff. It's just, it doesn't resonate with me, but it sells really well here. And so that's the first thing to keep in mind is it's not your style. It's not what do you personally like. It's clean lines, very simple pieces. They don't necessarily have to be in great condition, but they do have to be pretty cheap. And so you can look at thrift stores. I, I have a lot of thrift stores. Highbid.com, H-I-Bid.com. This is a universal, it's all across the U.S. auction site where you can bid on furniture. I've gotten kitchen table and chairs that are in great condition for like $20 through the auction site. Swear. It's crazy. Do they then deliver them to you or how does that work? No, you have to go pick them up. Okay. You really do. Um, But to give you guys context too, I have a Nissan Murano. Like I have an SUV. I don't have a trailer. I don't have anything crazy. And I have fit a kitchen table and chairs in my car. (laughs) It works. You might have had to like, you know, go outside and push the car. But yes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So like what kind of... what kind of margin then are you look like talking numbers? Like what kind of margin are you are you having in mind? Like are you working on a math equation before you buy something? Kind of. So I set my minimum profit where I will not mess with pieces that I can't make at least $25 on. That's kind of my bare minimum. Okay. And so I will purposely choose items that I know for certain I can if I have to do any like refurbishing to the piece. Most of the time I don't. Most of the time I just sell it as is. So I will add that into my equation if there's going to be any costs. 
and make sure that my costs plus whatever I have to put into it for the the actual item is greater than $25. And if it is, I'll move forward. If it's not, then I skip on the piece. Mm, okay. I like that. I mean, that, that feels like very doable. Like we're not looking for something where we're trying to figure out hundreds of dollars of a profit. No. And, and there's a great, great margin for error. I mean, $25 seems, seems like a very doable number for most pieces. Yeah, for sure. And just to give additional context, most of the pieces that I'm purchasing are well under, I mean, I, I usually don't spend more than $50 on a piece and I'll almost always sell it for a hundred plus dollars. I like those numbers. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> those numbers work very well. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you talking about when you're when you're going to pick up these different items, I know for women in particular, I would imagine that there are safety concerns. I know I would have safety concerns myself about going to some stranger's place to pick up pick up different pieces of of furniture. How do you how do you deal with that? Like what sort of safety practices do you put in place? Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that I will personally do. So from a buying side, I, I generally only purchase from thrift stores, auctions. Sometimes I'll go to somebody's house to pick up a piece. If I do, I always have my fiance come with me or at least somebody else. Um, from the selling side, if I have a piece that I can't put in my car and meet somebody at a local gas station or a grocery store parking lot, if it doesn't fit in my car that way and they do have to come to my house, I do a couple things. So I sell all of my furniture on Facebook Marketplace 100% of the time. Wow, I don't okay. mess with eBay. It's all Marketplace. And one of the things that I learned early on is be really careful when you give out your address. So if somebody has to come to your house and you have a piece that is getting a ton of inquiries, I will never give everybody my address. I will tell them these are my main crossroads off of this street and this street. When you're on your way, shoot me a message and I'll give you my address. Okay, that's smart. So should anything happen, I listen to a lot of true crime, so I'm a little bit paranoid, <laughs> but should anything happen, it's very easy to track who specifically was coming to my house instead of just blanket giving out all of your address in case somebody shows up because people bail out a lot and it, it's just a safety thing. So just be careful of that piece. That's really good to know. And then in terms of, so if someone's coming to buy a piece, are they paying cash, credit card? How's that? How does that work? Yeah, usually it's cash or Venmo. Those okay. are typically the only payments that I accept. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I have actually, I'm like, this is going to be shocking to admit, but I've never been on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It is so good. Yeah, I'm going to have to go on now and just I'm just I'm just so intrigued by this idea because it's like you said, I mean, it's something tangible that most people could do this at least in some form. And have some extra money without maybe having to drive Uber. And so I think if anything, it just maybe opens your your mind up to there might be lots of other side hustle ideas that we may not even be thinking about. We just hear about the normal ones and that's kind of where we go. But I hope that it opens minds up to think about other things that that you could do. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times too, people, they hear furniture flipping and their concern is, I don't want to be stuck with furniture right. in my garage or in my house that I can't get rid of. 
or I don't have a lot of money to invest in inventory. So one of the things, if you are getting started and you don't have a ton of money, you can search on Facebook Marketplace for free items. And same thing with Craigslist. There's a section where you can truly find free stuff. And people give away a lot. It's actually really sad how consumeristic we are sometimes. But people are always trying to just get rid of furniture. And if you don't find anything there, you can even partner up with your family and friends and do like a a profit split where they want to get rid of the furniture. You list it. You deal with all the communication. You sell it and you give them a, a portion. So it's almost like a commission model. And so that's another way to do it, too. But what I have found is I have never been stuck with a piece of furniture if I'm stuck with it, it tells me that I either priced it too high or it's a very unique piece that's going to take the right buyer. But you can start to lower that price until it moves. So I, I know the fear. I experienced that myself. But you will most likely not be stuck with a piece of furniture if you price it correctly. And how many pieces of furniture are you flipping at one time? Do you do one at a time or do you have multiples or does it just depend on what you find? Kind of depends. I'm I'm thinking in my garage right now, I've got a dresser out there that I picked up for $25 and I will not do a single thing to it, list it for probably about $150. Um, That one will sell pretty well, actually. Yeah, I know that one will move. I have another dresser that I paid $10 for that needs a lot of love. So that one's going to be chilling in my my garage for a little bit. Um, but I have usually about four to five pieces at a time and I try to stick with chairs, accent tables, coffee tables, stuff that's a little bit more manageable instead of the huge pieces. I don't do a ton of kitchen tables because they take up so much space, but yeah, usually about four to five pieces. And are those, those pieces that you, uh, that you typically buy, is that, are, or should I say, are those the pieces that typically sell the quickest as well? Like the more people are looking for those? Yeah, usually. Yeah, typically so. So again, it depends on your market. But I know for here in in Boise, Idaho, dressers go like crazy. And anything (laughs) mid-century modern dresser, is it sells like hotcakes. And so I just know that for my market, that works really well. But yeah, they typically go pretty quickly. Well, furniture is, I mean, if you go to a furniture store to buy furniture, I mean, it is expensive. So I think if you can find a piece that you really love for, I mean, a fraction of the cost, I mean, it just, it's a steal all around. Even if you know you bought it for $20 and you're selling it for $150, the person who's buying it still feels like they got this amazing deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. The other piece too, when you do go to the thrift stores, you have to be open-minded sometimes. I've had a couple dressers that I picked up that were God awful. They were really, really (laughs) ugly, but with a little bit of paint and love and some little mid-century legs on, they turned out so cute and they sold for over $300 when I paid less than 20 because nobody wanted them because they were ugly. But man, it's, if you have a little imagination, I promise you can do some really cool things and repurpose the furniture. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Like, so the, the pieces of furniture that, you know, you're going to have to put a little TLC are there certain websites or blogs or places you go to to find the inspiration of how, what color should I paint this or what leg should I put on it or any any of those like embellishments to make it better? Yeah, there's a, a couple places I go. So I'm part of a Facebook group by Flea Market Flipper, and he actually inspired me to get into flipping. Uh, he does a lot of weird stuff like he's done prosthetic legs. He's done <laughs> like we're talking anything that you'd be like, you can sell that. He's done. It. It's crazy. So his Instagram is really great as well. And it gives you some inspiration on what you could sell. 
But for furniture, I just go to Pinterest. I go to Pinterest. I go to article.com to see what is the trendy new designs and what colors are they doing. Um, But that's usually where I go to get some inspiration. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I know you you say this on your blog. I've I've said it in this podcast many times that that staggering statistic that 60% of Americans couldn't cover a $1000 emergency. I would imagine now it's it's an even higher number given what's going on. Talk to me a little bit about how having this extra cash has has even helped you or how this could help someone else to to you know get them to achieve some of those money goals that maybe have been so far off and they just haven't been able to hit. Yeah, for me personally what I do with the the money is I'm saving for real estate, so I would love to purchase yes. a property ideally in cash, we'll see who knows. Uh, but that's what I'm personally saving the money for. But I think it it's interesting because okay, the the political correctness in me says, you know, it's it's income you do need to claim it on your taxes, it's still money. That is like legally what you need to do. But a lot of people are doing this completely under the table because it is cash. So be careful of that. I'll let you decide how you choose to approach that. Um, but it's really easy to accumulate a ton of money that you can immediately put into your savings. So if it's through Venmo, maybe don't transfer every single time you get paid, but transfer once a week and just move it directly to your savings account so you can start building up a small emergency fund. There's so many different ways to approach it for your goals that I think it's really it's quite awesome. You just find that system that works where it's maybe one large deposit instead of those daily ones because that can get kind of yeah, a little yeah. overwhelming and feel small. <laughs> right. Yeah. We like the big numbers when we move them over. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, feel like, I feel like we need to insert our little PSA announcement about <laughs> whether you claim your money or don't claim your money. For sure. Please do. <laughs> Please do. That is 100% on you, but you legally should claim that money. Exactly. Yeah. So like what other, I mean, you mentioned that you've done a couple other side hustles other than furniture flipping. Do you, do you have any others that, that you've tried out in the past that have helped you earn some extra cash? One of my favorite ones that I did for a while was cell phone flipping. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not a technological person. Like I don't I couldn't tell you if somebody says it's a certain amount of gigabytes. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like it just doesn't resonate for me. But that was a really interesting one. So to do that one, you have to it's a little bit more work because you have to make sure cell phones are free and clear, they're paid off, they're not still right. financing a phone. Um, but that's another great way because that one you sell all through eBay and it's really cheap to ship, like $5 or less. And so you can make a pretty good profit on that one too if you're willing to sell electronics through eBay, not through Marketplace. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> it's so fun. I'm like, is there anything you haven't flipped? <laughs> I mean, I haven't done flea market flipper style yet. So he does like tractors and big oh, pieces yes. of a I, that's a little too much for me right now. <laughs> you're right. You're like, I'm going to stick with furniture. That works for me. <laughs> Furniture's manageable. I can wrap my head around it. <laughs> Gosh, this has been like so mind opening, even for me. And just thinking about even if it's a, even if you do just like one flip a month, and you let's say you have an extra hundred, two hundred bucks a month. I mean, even the impact that that could have on someone's finances, especially now. And again, the idea of just open you up to other ideas and also that that this is possible, that you can make changes in your own money situation without having to 
earn a double your salary or winning the lottery or anything like that. I think all of these examples are just so great to show. But I, I'd love to know, like, what do you obviously 2020 has been a fascinating year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love to know, like, what do you think is maybe the biggest money takeaway for you from 2020 thus far? Like, if you had to think of one thing, what would it be? No one's job is actually safe. That was my biggest eye-opening moment is so many people thought that their job was stable. They were maybe in a government position. They were working for a university. They were maybe self-employed. We were all doing really well in a good market. Everybody wins. But it was so fascinating to see how many people were impacted by something that we had no control over and how that affected our livelihood. So that was the biggest piece is even if you think your job is stable and maybe that's why you don't have a, a bigger emergency fund, it's a fallacy. And we really have to change that. We have to prepare for our finances by having enough in savings that gives us a little bit of peace of mind and a cash cushion. Because truly, that was the biggest takeaway. No one is safe. I'm seriously going to try furniture flipping and I will definitely report back to you. I am very, very curious if whether I can actually pull this off or not. So I'm taking it on as a little personal challenge. But do yourself a favor, add the Money Nerds podcast to your list. Whitney's episodes are always, always on point. And in fact, I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of her show. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. You can also head to WhitneyHanson.com for more of her personal finance wisdom. And as always on this podcast, we are changing the language around money so that we can unlock the life that you want to live. Now that you're a part of this community, I ask you to invite other people in, share this episode with someone that needs to hear Whitney's message today. Invite them in so we can all talk about money in a new, fun, and fresh way. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.